This is Alicia, and welcome to the College Life Podcast. I am super passionate about education, personal development, growth, and bringing out the best in every college student. This podcast will help motivate you, empower you, and bring you clarity and confidence in who you are, in your purpose, and help you take action toward a life you love. Don't wait until you graduate to live your best life. Let's start now. Welcome to the College Life Podcast. It's Alicia here, and today I am interviewing Cielo Salas from Blend, and she's the founder and CEO of Blend, a digital media company empowering young people to share their stories to connect lives. Her vision is to empower people to step into their best selves, and this is exactly why you are coming on my podcast, because we are totally supposed to meet. I know it. Yay! <laughs> so thank, thank you, you so for much for me. So, Thank you for having me. Yeah, and we're going to hear so much more about your story. Um, so first, let's get started on your college experience. Um, where did you end up going to college and what was that like for you? So I graduated from Wheaton College in Massachusetts. It's Small River College um, outside Boston. It, but I actually had uh, before that, because I was a transfer, I, uh, I started my career here in, in, in Miami. Miami, that's, that's my hometown. That's where I grew up. Uh, two-year college in Miami Dade, and then I transferred, got a full scholarship. Um, so it was incredible. Um, I had, I think, a very different um, education in the sense that I took all the opportunities that came my way. I, started, I ended up studying at Brown, actually, um, and then Middlebury College, and I started one year in China. So Honestly, wow. when when you know people when people think it's like oh you were you were Wheaton right and it, yeah it was amazing but I had so much experience because I studied different colleges, um, but yeah I ended up graduating from Wheaton uh, with a bachelor's in international relations journalism, best time of my life I met some of my best friends there. Um, Ten years later we're still buddies we're still very close yeah. So thinking about where you were at then and now and now where you're at did you ever imagine? That you would be where you're at right now? Honestly, um, no. <laughs> I mean, I always had a thing when I was younger, like I always liked to think big. Um, and I think it had a lot to do with my upbringing. I immigrated to the United States when I was 13 um, from Peru. I was, I'm originally from Peru, born and raised. Um, kind of like reaching the American dream, right? My parents wanted to give me a better upbringing. My hats had been working. Um, everywhere around the world for the Air Force. And finally, my mom, I think, told my dad, okay, you need to stop like moving around because I don't want to live like a gypsy. I want, and I want your, the kids to have a normal upbringing. So they decided to relocate to Miami. And um, it was hard uh, at the beginning. Uh, I learned English when I was really young and I feel privileged for that, um, that I got the education. But at the same time, it was hard because it's like you start you start from zero, right? It's like you don't have friends. Uh, you're in a different place. Um, and I also, I think growing up in Miami, like um, it's a melting pot of like Hispanic culture. But even then, at a young age, I did experience a little bit of racism. And there's a lot of things in my youth that just made me stronger. And I saw how much my parents had to give up to give me a better life, a better education. So I think from my young age, I was always a fighter. It's like, I always think, and my dad was like, you have to think big, right? Whatever it is that you want to do, um, not just think about yourself, but how can you impact um, and have, um, I think, 
a purpose, right? That is just bigger than yours. So I think that really helped me when I was in college because I would take every opportunity that would come my way. Um, and mm -hmm. that's how I ended up studying so many different places and taking advantage of incredible opportunities. Got to uh, intern. Um, it was like um, a summer intern for like this beautiful um, magazine, indigenous magazine, but it was based in Bolivia, run by a London franchise. It was great. And then um, I also got to do really cool stuff. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. I know. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I feel like there's a couple things there. I mean, first off, we live in a society that is filled with racism. So I apologize for that. And that sucks, but I just want to acknowledge that, you know, that that is real. And I think it's, it's interesting because you had also um, this like strong family structure that really supported you to follow your dreams. And I don't think we all have that, you know, either. And that's amazing that you were able to like use that to, to really build yourself up whenever society is maybe telling you otherwise. Did you feel that way? Yeah, honestly, um, I always felt like, well, since I was very young, I was very studious, right? Um, but I think that just having a mom that is always asking me how is school today and really being very caring with me and understanding um, that education was so important. And I've seen it, like, for example, one thing, my dad never got to go to like college. He had um, 10 siblings. <laughs> Um, and he was like the breadwinner, right? Like he always like, and, and I saw it. It's like, my dad was like the smartest guy in the world. I'm sure if he ever, right. Um, he had ever grown up in the United States, uh, he could have like worked at NASA or, you know, like graduated from MIT cause he's that smart. Um, but unfortunately he came from his hometown when he was 11 years old, um, separated from um, his family and had to start from nothing, right? He, my dad was like, when I was 11 years old, I had to worry about what I was going to eat tomorrow, right? Uh, my parents were not here. I had to work and it was really hard. I cry every day. And then he experienced racism um, himself because my dad is from the countryside of Peru. Peru is predominantly, for people who don't know, indigenous country, uh, but we have different races. And unfortunately, um, and especially in Lima back in 1970s, people were very racist. If you did not look white, then they're like, what are you doing here? Go back to, you know, go, go back to, 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 your, to your place of birth. Um, so it was really hard for my dad. Um, and that made him very, I think that, ma that made him like grow up really fast. And then, but he always wanted to study. He always told me, it's like, I always wanted to study. You have no idea how much I wanted to. And he had a dream, like in Peru, there's like this amazing university, I guess it's like, when it comes to comparing, it's like the MIT of Peru, right? Of course, it's not that great because MIT is one of the best schools in, in the world, but he wanted to study engineering. And he knew that he could be accepted because he was very smart, but unfortunately no one supported him mm. because he had to, uh, look up for all his um, siblings. So he didn't have that opportunity. So I think my dad, when I was really young, he realized that and he didn't want that for us. So my mom, my dad were very, I think, thoughtful about our education and make all the sacrifices possible to make sure that we got a good education. So the education has always been very, very ingrained in our family and our values and everything that we were brought up to, right? Uh, with my siblings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so interesting when you're sharing your story, because I have some similar, like, um, 
feelings about my own family and thinking about like they really pushed education on my, my, in my own life as well. And I wonder if that's also why we're so driven to like make an impact on the world the way that we are, because we are yeah. like, I, I just, I feel like whenever you, whenever you shared your, your dad's story of like, he, yeah. you know, he could work at NASA, but like the, his yeah. upbringing and circumstances and experiences yeah. did not allow that. And it's like, yeah. what the hell are we doing if we're not mm. tapping into that? Like that makes yeah. no sense. And like, like I would say circumstances definitely do not define what you want to become. But unfortunately, back then, I think now there's more resources, there's more ways to make it happen, especially, and this is just my opinion, I feel that in the United States, if you don't get a college education or you don't want, if, if you don't go to school, it's because you honestly don't want to. There's so many ways to make it happen. You can get a loan, you can work in McDonald's. I worked since I was 14 years old and I'm very happy of that. You know what I mean? It's like, there's so many ways that you can make it happen. Unfortunately, in third world countries, that's not the case. Like there is no way for you to work in McDonald's because even a McDonald's, the money that they give you, <laughs> that it's not even going to be enough for food. So imagine for an education. So if you don't have support, the system is built in a way that you're going to fail, unfortunately. And I think it's still like that um, in a lot of third world countries. Um, so I was, I think since, since, since I was very young, I realized that. And my dad did not want that I think for us, it's like I have um, a sister and a father, both of them also graduated ready. Um, one of them is in Camden, the other one was for, um, is an executive for American Airlines. So I think we realized that in my dad, I think he made the sacrifices he had to, to make sure that he will give us a better life. And that's something we've always had in mind. But yeah, going back to what you were saying, I feel that yes, um, when there is purpose, there's a way of doing things. Um, and I think no one can take your education away. This is the biggest lesson I've learned from my dad. My dad always tells me, people can take away your, take, can take away your money. People can take away, I don't know, right? Like a material belongings, but they're never, ever going to be able to take away your education. Never. And I think I always keep that in mind, right? Um, so I think he told me that when I was five years old and that had a huge impact. So every time... You know, sometimes like you question things that you do, you have to make decisions. I always put that in my mind. It's very important for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I, I definitely have had that mentality forced into my head too. It's like education, it cannot be taken away from you. And I don't think I understood it nearly as much as I do after the fact, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I understand, but I didn't really understand until like recently, yeah. you know, but. I mean, a lot of people these days, they, and, and, and I get it, we live in a society that it's so much easier now because of the coronavirus, right? Everyone's working remote and it's easier to make a living. And so they're like, oh, why would I ever go to college, right? Like it's so expensive. I get it, but you have to understand that what college does, it gives you foundation. I, I, that being said, I don't think it's for everyone, but if you have the possibility of going to college, do it. Do mm -hmm. it because like I said, no one is going to be able to take that away from you. Um, like if you ever lose your job, if you ever lose your, like you create a business and you become like a millionaire and then, you know, something bad happens and then you have to start from zero, you're going to be able to do it because you have a degree, you have an education, you have a foundation and a network that is going to be able to support you and it's going to be able to cheer on you. So I think that's fundamentally the importance of education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that.
So going back to your own college experience, how did you decide on international relations or affairs? I'm not sure which one you said. And journalism, like how did you come about those majors? So I always had a fascination for the world. Um, and when I was actually in high school, I realized that I was really good with languages. Like people think that I actually learned English in the United States. I'm like, no, I actually learned English when I was really young in, in my native Peru. Um, and I never, of course, of course, obviously I still have an accent, but um, it's a very unique accent, I want to call it. <laughs> um, but I always had a thing for languages. I just love them so much. So I actually, I can speak Chinese too. I studied Mandarin for about um, eight years and I started in high school. So I realized that I had this fascination to understand more about the world. I actually thought that I was uh, going to end up working um, as a senator, as an ambassador for the UN. Um, how I landed on entrepreneurship, that is another story. Um, but, you know, I actually did not see myself as an entrepreneur, um, but definitely I had a fascination. So I thought, oh my God, I love history and I love to understand how other people live, right? It's like all the Asian cultures have always been very fascinating to me. And it has a lot to do, Peru also has a lot of Japanese and Chinese influence. So my, my grandfather was actually a half Chinese. So that probably had a lot to do with it. Um, so I, I wanted to learn more about that. And that's why I decided to, to major in international affairs journalism. I've always just loved to understand and be able to tell people stories. That has always been my passion since I was very young. I, there's, there's, I, there's no way I can explain it. Just to be able to write about someone's life, so understand where that person's coming from. I think that has always been um, a passion of mine. That's why I love films, I love documentaries. I'm kind of a nerd, that's why I do my free time. People is like always ask me, why do you do your free times? I watch a lot of documentaries. <laughs> that's what I do. I'm like, wow, okay, that's how you know that you're about to be 30. But um, that's, that's really my passion and, and probably it's because I love history so much, yeah. I love that and I feel like you really just followed your curiosity. And I try to encourage students on this podcast to do that because you can just tell the energy that you have behind it. Like it's not just you majored in that, you were curious about it, you wanted to learn about it. And it probably, that's probably why it got you to where you are today as well. Like it was just a, like a small stepping stone. You, you followed your curiosity. Yeah, and I think also, um, one thing that I would tell college students don't feel so much pressure, you know, like, a, yeah, bachelor's degree, it's, it's important what you're going to major in because that's going to dictate your curriculum. But at the same time, it's not like the end of the world. Like a lot of people go to law school with business majors, philosophy majors, math majors, right? It, it doesn't mean that you have to graduate with a very specific degree in order for you to pursue a career that you're interested in. Right? I think sometimes people forget about that. The most important thing is that, like you said, follow your passions. What are you good at? What do you love? I uh, like Since I work with a lot of college students, um, a lot of them tell me, it's like, well, I don't know what do I like. Like, I don't know what I like. Like, I've been trying to figure it out for a while, <laughs> what I'm good at and what do I like, but I don't. Well, at least you know what you don't like. I'm sure you know that, right? It's like, ew, I hate math or I don't like chemistry. Well, great then now you know, now you can create a list of things you don't like, right? 
And if you don't like that, then you can say, okay, I'm not going to become, if you don't like blood, you're probably not going to become a doctor, right? If you don't like physics, you're probably not going to be a physician. So things like that. I think that um, that's the way to go with it, right? Think of the things that you love and think of like the subjects that you might not be very interested about. And then try to take more courses about that, try to do more research and just take it slow, right? I think a lot of people put so much pressure. I know I did. I wanted, because I was like a straight A student when I was in high school and my parents never put any pressure on me. It was all like me. Like I needed to know, oh my God, I need to know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Like what I'm going to do with my life. Like I used to think that I need to have a script and life doesn't work that way. If you would have asked 18 year old Cielo, hey, you're going to be an entrepreneur one day. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I didn't think I would have been like, oh, I would have laughed probably. Um, but, but here we are, right? Um, you never know. So. Yeah. And one thing I'll tell about college students too, I feel like some of you know what you're interested in, but you're either afraid to share that with the world for some reason or for, with mm -hmm. yourself, or you're not really paying attention. You're just kind of like going through life and going through the motions, but there are things that you're probably attracted to that you're not paying attention to. So, you know, just pay attention more. That's a little side note, but let's, I want to dive into this entrepreneurship thing because I think a lot of the, um, the students that listen to this podcast are curious about entrepreneurship and are trying to think about, you know, how could they create their own thing one day? And also you, like you said, you're like, I never envisioned myself as an entrepreneur. And I, we, we do see that there's a lot of forecasting about the gig economy and what's kind of next when it comes to creating your own things and creating your own work. So I'm curious from your perspective, number one, how did you get into it? Like, what was that even like when you first started thinking about this, creating something new? Right. Um, so I think it was very organic for me um, because I had worked in corporate America. Um, when I graduated college, um, I thought that I was just going to take a break two years, like go to New York, work in different jobs, um, kind of get a taste of the city because um, everyone wants to live in New York after graduation <laughs> and then go to law school, right? Apply to Georgetown. Like I wanted to end up in Washington, D.C. and try to get a job as, um, I don't know, like working for the UN as an ambassador or maybe for State Department. That was kind of the plan. But I always knew like, and this is something very unconscious, like you were just saying, it's like when you know you want something, but you're so afraid of going for it. That was me. Senior year denial. I'm like, no, I should go and become a lawyer because that's the right thing to do, right? Uh, that's where the money is. Um, security, all these things that um, are important, especially if you come from an immigrant family. But I realized, you know what? I really want to do media. That is the only thing I've been thinking about for the past 10 years. And if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. Mm -hmm. So here I was, um, 22, applying like nonstop to all these different internships, jobs in the city. And if for anyone that's in media out there, you'll know how hard it is to get in the industry. Um, I had zero connections. I had just a couple of internships that I have done, a couple of writing of uh, different publish publications that I've written, but I honestly had nothing um, in the sense that I didn't think that I was going to get anything good. But like I said, I never gave up. I keep trying and trying. And I got, I, I remember that when I graduated, I decided to come back home 
for just like mental break, um, like two months and then really take my time and, and starting applying to jobs. And I was working actually uh, while I was here in Miami. It's not that I was just in, at home. I could speak Chinese. So speaking languages is something that's very useful. I was working for a company and they basically um, had a huge presence in Shanghai. So they needed like someone that could speak the language. And in Miami, a lot of people speak Spanish, but very few people speak um, Chinese. So knowing both languages was very useful. And they wanted someone like secretary, you know, slash admin, whatever. Um, but when they realized I could speak the language, like, oh, you're hired right away. So I found myself working for the big, big corporation. Um, and yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I didn't like the job. It's not what I wanted to do, but it was fun to practice my Chinese skills. And at the same time, I was just like sending all my resume to all these companies and reaching out to them. And then somehow, <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how it happened. I got into the NBC program, um, the page program at NBC on, and that program, gosh, that just changed my life. Like 360 degrees. I went from an office job like to NBC, Rockefeller Plaza, running around for all these shows, Today Show, Saturday Night Live, the Tonight Show with Jamie Fallon, Late Night with Seth Meyers. And I'm going to be super honest. I did not grow up in the United States. Like I knew about SNL, but I didn't grow up like with the Today Show, right? It's like everyone knows what the Today Show is. So for me, it was a learning curve. I would think like everyone was just so excited. And I was like, yeah, it's exciting. But I'm like, I don't think I had the same appreciation as like my peers in the program because I had not like, I guess like watched that show since I was like five years old. But so, so that's one thing, right? But I just loved it. I fell in love with it. I fell in love with like television. I fell in love like with everything about the industry. It's very competitive. It's very hectic. Um, and I love it. So that's how I started my career. Uh, I, I think I did different rotations at MSNBC. I did things from production assistant to being like what you call the page, like the assistant for like the morning television show. I love it. I have so many great memories from that program. So after the year, actually, um, the Today Show, um, I had been talking with the Today Show to get like a production assistant position, right? Um, and that's kind of the outcome of the PAGE program. It's like a one-year pipeline program. You get the training all the, on all the different um, departments at NBC, and then you get hired. Um, and I'm going to be very real. <laughs> because it's very important to be real. Um, they wanted to pay me like $14 an hour. Like they were willing to give me the job. They were like, oh, we're going to give you the job. We're going to pay you $14 an hour. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> How am I going to live in New York City with like $14 an hour? There is no way I'm going to do that. Yeah, and I'm very, very outspoken because unfortunately it doesn't pay anything. It's like after a year of hard work, you're like, I'm not going to go and be able to get a 14 dollar job because like I, I cannot afford I need to pay rent my parents were not helping me right um like here I was I was doing this on my own my parents I wouldn't say they were against it but they were really worried about me because I generally left home and said I'm going to New York City and I'm gonna go make it big and that's what I said and I left with my <laughs> one luggage and then you don't even want to know what happened to me the first day I arrived um Someone like, like I remember paying someone on what's what's the name of the website where you find all the housing, um, Craigslist. I pay someone a Craigslist for like rent, 
and it was a scam. So imagine I was in the middle of Manhattan crying. I'm like, where am I going to go to sleep tonight? Cause I have nowhere to go. Um, and somehow I ended up like, um, my friend's couch. She was very nice. Thank you, Moya. Um, and then, um, from then I finally got a place, but yeah, it was, it was like, a, it was a terrible week. Um, and then, you know, I love the job, but the, like I said, it's like the pay was really bad. You had to work over like a lot of hours. Um, I was grateful, right? During the whole year for me, it's like, I feel this was like my master's in journalism. I got to experience, be part of, meet so many celebrities, politicians, leaders that I could have never thought I could in my life. Trump, actually, I remembered he um, launched his um, campaign during Morning Joe, and I was working at the show when he came. So he even told me, do you want to touch my hair? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but hey, you know, I always say that. <laughs> I got to experience and meet so many incredible people <laughs> when I was at an NBC. So when it came to, like I said, it's like when I wrapped up like the program and, um, and of course they were offering you a job, like for me, money was important. Mm -hmm. So I, I couldn't believe that they were going to pay me $14 an hour. And I remember the NBC page coordinator, like I guess she's like the one that, um, that's like the leader of, of, of like the program. She oversees the whole program calling me into her office saying, Hey, you know, they offer you this position. Why are you not taking it? And I'm like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, they want to pay me $14 an hour. Like, I cannot survive with that. Like, I need to make money so I can pay my rent because I'm not privileged, like majority of my peers in that room. Um, parents were helping them. A lot of them were like um, sons and daughters of very, very famous executive producers of Broadway and and so on. I mean, I don't want to really get into that, but um, I was not in that privileged position. So I needed to make money. Yeah. So she kind of was like a little annoyed about it. She was like, well, you know, you did this program. You have to be able to, that's the whole point to get a job with us. And I'm like, it's fine. I'll figure it out, but I'm not getting a job that is going to pay me $14 oh an hour. Can we just so, say first off, like, holy crap, that is amazing of you. And I'm sure that is so hard at the same time. It's like yeah. this, <laughs> and like, I, but I think so many students grapple with this of like, I need to make money, but I also like need to have like, like, I want to do something that I care about, too. Yeah. The, I, I honestly, <sighs> this is my biggest advice. Like, well, you need the experience, then do it, right? It's like, for me, it's like, I knew I needed, like, the experience of working at NBC, being part of it. Um, if they would have offered me a job starting at $18 an hour, and some people, don't get me wrong, like, if you, like, for example, get a job as a production assistant for CNBC, the probably starting salary is $20 an hour. Because it's, it's like CNBC is like a financial um, channel. They usually pay more, right? They're like affiliated to Wall Street. So it's different. For the Today Show, it's because everyone wanted to work at the Today Show, right? They feel that they can pay trash. And I'm going to be very honest to everyone. Except the anchors. I, like, I loved my time at the Today Show, but I thought that it was just, there was such a huge gap between like, the pay of the producers and the anchors. And some of these producers have been there for like 20 plus years. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, if I had been working 20 plus years for a show, I hope that at least I'm making hundred K. Some of them are not even doing that. Let me just tell you that. And let's yes. just stop the conversation because I don't want to talk more about that. But yeah, when I started seeing those patterns, they're like, okay, no, this is not, not me. And you know, like, yes, I love media, but I need to make money. So 
to me, it was very clear. This is not about, oh, I'm trying to be, this is about surviving. Like, mm -hmm. what am I going to do? I'm going to call my parents and say, hey, they want to pay me $14 an hour. My parents would have said, come back home and get a real job. <laughs> you went to college, right? You're not going to get paid $14 an hour. And you were, and you already basically um, were part of a program for like a year. So for me, the program, like the pay didn't really matter because it was more like, like it was my time to prove that I really wanted to work in the industry and, 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 and it was incredible. But I feel that beyond that, you really need to think what's important for you, right? And if you're in television, it's so hard. It's so competitive, right? There's very few positions for a lot of people. And I guess that is why um, the executive director of the program is just concerned that I was not going to take the position. Um, and of course, she just wanted she just wanted me to have a job. And I told her, look, don't worry about it. I will find a job. And I just stormed my way from office. <laughs> I remember that. And hey, I found a job two weeks later, CNN. Okay, starting salary, $26 an hour. So my effort paid off. And it's funny because people is like, how did you find your job at CNN? Indeed.com, baby. That's it. <laughs> Zero connections. Um, <laughs> so it's possible. Like, yes, it YouTube is possible. Connection. It is possible. Yeah, they just love the, the fact that I had been, of course, once you work in NBC and you put that on your resume, it just like other companies are going to take um, notice of that, especially the Peach program. And I didn't know this. I actually discovered after and through the program. It's like a very prestigious program. Uh, apparently it's harder to get accepted to the page program than to get accepted into harder so yeah that's how competitive it is and i get and i get it now why a lot of the of the um a lot of the peeps that graduated from that program the folks now they are like producers right uh, a lot of like late night shows or different television shows and i guess like it's it is your chance to prove that you belong to the industry and that you make all these connections that will help in your career. So I completely understand that. And I actually love the program, uh, but I feel beyond that, it's like, no, you should get paid like, you know, at least $20 an hour, you know, it's New York city. Um, but yeah, I, so I, I worked at CNN. I had the best three years and a half, uh, almost four years of my life, um, contributing different roles. I started the morning television show, I also produced um, for different primetime shows. Um, and I think at CNN, there was a lot of big opportunity when someone was out and you were willing to take the position. Yeah, go ahead, come, you know, you can fill in for this person. So I did a lot of that. Um, I also got to be there, right, uh, during elections. Um, as, and it was incredible. It was incredible. I think I've learned so much, I contributed. Um, like for the digital portion of CNN as a writer, I've contributed to, to actually NBC Latino too. I was, I was a contributor about specific Latino issues. So I loved my time there and I wouldn't change it for anything. I'm very grateful and I'm very grateful for NBC too. But long story short, now how I became an entrepreneur is that I think it came to a point that, that you know, I had to really rethink about what I was doing. I kind of knew my journey at CNN, like if I would have like stayed at that moment, like, like for when I hit the three-year mark, I was like, okay, this was great. I've done everything that I could do in this position, but what's next? Like, and then I realized that if I would have stayed at CNN, I kind of knew how my 
three plus years will look, right? It's a producer um, producing probably the morning television show. And it's not that CNN coverage is not great. I think they cover great news, but I got tired of covering like bad news all day long. And I think too, because of television, that's just the nature of television. Um, like you have one hour really to show the most important news of the day, right? Um, and sometimes you might have a hundred leads, but out of those a hundred leads, maybe 10 will make it in the actual show. So I think that there were a lot of like, um, in terms of editorial work that I was like, yes, this is great. But I feel that instead of like going with breaking news, we should try to, I don't know, like uh, be more um, focused on human stories, uplifting. So I realized that I just wanted to do something different. I wanted to create change. I wanted to be part of an initiative that it was uplifting. And I also realized that I have this, especially a passion for human stories out of everything, right? Because sometimes what television doesn't allow you is that, um, you know, there's a lot of analysts and they talk about specific issues stake, but you don't really understand the impact that specific issue, like immigration, for example, right? Or um, like um, another big issue in America, like racism has on different communities. So I'm, I was more interested of like being part of a grassroots initiative, right? That really target those specific communities and kind of provide them a voice. And that is honestly how Blend was born, right? It was something very, very organic. It was like while I was working still CNN and the idea came to me. Um, and I remember clearly that I was invited to Columbia University. It was a uh, talk about media and, it's, and this was right after elections so a lot of students were asking a lot of questions about the coverage during elections how it happened how Trump became president all these things and I mean I'm gonna be honest I think majority of people especially um, liberal media were very surprised and shocked that Trump became president I honestly wasn't um, he was winning in the polls he was doing well um, but a lot of people were so I think that a lot of youth, right, um, like university students, they felt specifically after elections that they wanted to have a voice in the matter, that they wanted, they wanted to be more represented, that they wanted their communities to, to be more represented. And that is how I realized how important it is for people to have a voice, right, and for journalism to reach those communities because media and television is great, but unfortunately there's not enough time to tell all people's stories. It's like you have one hour to do a show and then you move on, right? Um, and sometimes a lot of journalists are fighting to put the stories on air and they never make it. I've seen it. I'm not going to get into specifics, but I've, I, when I worked at CNN, when I worked at NBC, there was specific um, like coverage that reporters were working on. Like they, got, they actually went to interview, uh like a lot of people and they were working for weeks right and then when they were about to run the piece unfortunately it was breaking news and they it couldn't it could never be air right so i was like yeah i'm not sure if i want to keep doing breaking news my whole life it's exciting for sure but at the same time it's it's a lot right it's like constantly changing and i wanted to focus more about the impact um, that issues had on communities. 
So it was organically, and I think for specifically in college uh, communities, because that's where I was very active, and um, that's how it all started. <laughs> Yeah, and I know before this, you were talking a little bit about like kind of the dark side of social media. And I think thinking about kind of your experience and then seeing some <clears throat> of that stuff happening as well, it's like, it makes sense why this was born for you. And it's it's definitely needed in the world. We need more positivity um, on the internet, especially on social media. We need to share more people's stories from different backgrounds and experiences so we can really start connecting with the world in a, in a deeper way. Um, so yeah. I love, love, love that you created this. Um, I'm curious, how can students get involved in this brand and kind of help support your work or get involved in the work that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So I always, I always say this about Blend. Blend is definitely not me. I feel that I'm in, somehow I became a leader that I'm in the middle. Like I serve people, right? I, I think Blend is just a community. It's a movement that it started from nothing, right? And now we've had more than a thousand contributors, 35 schools represented, um, and it keeps growing. And why? Because people see themselves reflected in these stories and that's exactly what they needed, right? When we first started, um, we did not start this on our own. We actually brought about 20 students, different schools in New York City. Um, majority of them were actually working um, and uh, being part of like different journalism departments. So we all brought them about the issues that they wanted to share, what media was doing right, what media is not doing that much, right? So that is how it all started. So from the name, the website, the logo, everything, it was like a collaborative effort. It's never been just me saying, oh, we should put this name, or, oh, we should do this, nothing. So that is why I said blend, it's for everyone. It's every college student that feels very passionate about a topic, something that they want to share with the world. We're more than open-minded. That's how we started that My Voice to Story series because we realized that students were just tired of hearing all these perspectives on third person. They wanna hear real people, real stories, and how things affect different communities. I think the LGBTQ, the, um, the mental health and the suicide prevention series have been one of our best ones because so many people just been very open about their struggles. And when you're open about your struggles, like I think it allows, right? This safe space to create. And that's what we've been able to do with Durblen. It's really a celebration of all our anxieties and our, all our imperfections, because we're not perfect. We are a beautiful work in progress. I always say that, me, everyone, honestly. Like, I think that we, we keep evolving and learning from our mistakes. And Blend is a celebration of that and a celebration also of positive storytelling, people that are doing amazing things in their community. Uh, so I think it's just, we're not trying to compete with CNN or any of these publications. We're trying to make things different. So that's what Blend is all about. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that so, so much. And if you're still listening to this right now, you're gonna be able to connect um, with Cielo and the, the Blend brand. Um, and if you want to write for them, right? Like you can submit some pieces and talk about what you're passionate about and, and share your story. Just like I want you to do on this podcast, you can do that in written form as well. 
For sure, for sure. You can, um, it, our website's blendtw.com. Um, so just check our publication, um, check out specifically the My Voices Story series. You guys are going to love it. Um, the mental health suicide prevention. We have, I think, 11 series now. Um, and if you want to contribute to us, you can send us an email. Um, there's also a way on the website to apply directly to our internship. We're right now recruiting interns for the fall. Every semester, we like to bring new talent, new writers. We want to give opportunities to new voices because that's the whole point about Blend. Blend is not about just one specific region. We have students from so many different schools that I didn't know, I'm going to be honest, it existed. <laughs> like, I love it, right? And it's not about whether you're Republican or Democrat, whether you're like pro-abortion or against abortion. It, it doesn't matter. It's all about human experiences coming together, sharing, understanding, listening to each other, right? Because I feel that when people are able to listen to each other, they realize that they have so much in common. Mm -hmm. Sometimes this, and I'm not going to say all media because I have been part of media and I work with media and there's so many great people in mainstream media that want to do things right. But there's a very big part of media that is very biased and it's toxic. Instead of trying to bridge that gap, instead of trying to unite people through their stories, they're trying to make everything more divisive, right? They're using incendiary comments, bigotry, and that's what's not accepted. So we're a rejection to that through a blend. So yeah, if you guys want to learn more about our mission, what we stand for, what we do, make sure to check out blendtw.com. Um, we're recruiting right now full interest. And yeah, and for summer, we had 50 um, active writers. So it was incredible. Every semester, we try to recruit more and more um and yeah and more than 40 schools represent us that's that's really great i love 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 that that students can really just go ahead and start applying and get involved um right now so that's great and i think you know if you're a student out there listening and you know you want to make a difference but you're not really sure how this is a great way to start start writing and get your voice out and, and start practicing using your voice this is how you become an accidental thought leader like i think i read that in your thing where you were kind of like honestly you do <laughs> yes like i'm like people when people see me it's like oh my god you have accomplished a lot i'm like no i'm just like you i'm just like you um and and i think it's so important to motivate our youth and just make them realize that they're so powerful beyond measure anything you want in your life you can achieve it if you believe in yourself and you hang out with the right people because that's very important too right you don't want friends to tell you you're not good enough you're not gonna be able to make it you want that people out of your life you want people that have lifted you they'll love you for who you are and you know and you have patience that's another thing right things don't happen overnight i mean i've been with blend for what it's almost gonna be four years now and i'm telling you beginnings were harsh right funding like um it basically i i believed entirely in what we were building and i decided to use my own money right and we were not making any profit i believed so much in the vision and then people started realizing that i started going out there and putting myself out there every day for rejection because rejections is part of your life that's the one thing you need to know every day ask yourself how can i fail today because failure is the best gift life can give you. Trust me, if you build resilience, 
you build an appreciation for things because sometimes we don't appreciate if it's win 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 if you win everything you don't appreciate little things in life you don't appreciate the effort so i think just putting myself out there um eventually we we got um donors and that's how we started building the brand um people coming together now um, I'm happy to say that we've grown so much the community. We're launching a podcast, the My Boy Story podcast, and I cannot wait to see what's the next, what's next, right? We're always working on something. Um, is it easy? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's not easy. But when you have a vision that is greater than just about making money and about you, that you're actually trying to make an impact then no one's going to be able to stop you. And I think that's the most important thing to realize. Yes, it's money. It's important. I, I get that, right? It's important to live, but it's not, it's not going to make you happy. You have to find something that it's beyond you that you can give to the world and that the world can take from you. So I think that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really appreciate you sharing the kind of beginning journeys of your own of this company too, because I feel like I am kind of at the beginning journey of my own <laughs> like company, whatever this is going to look like. And I have this vision that I want to like impact more people and have a bigger difference. And, um, and I don't know what that's going to look like quite yet, but I'm trying to like get clear and just like, stick with it <laughs> so I can it's see okay. it through. <laughs> one, one, one piece of advice I have for you is this. Three years from now, like, for example, you release something, and this is actually an advice I got from someone. When you're about to start something, the hardest thing is that, to start. Why? Because we think. And when we think too much, we don't do it, right? It's like we get nervous. We're, like, very anxious. No, this is not going to work. I'm not going to do it. Like, yes, have that vision and just do it. You're going to learn little by little Okay, from your mistake, the things that you write, okay, this is can be improved. And trust me, your product three years from now is not gonna look anything like the product you're gonna release right now. I mean, that's obvious, right? Because you're constantly going to want to improve it and make it better. But if you have an idea in your mind and you have the vision, you're driven, just do it. Go for it. Who cares what people think about? Okay. People that don't fail is because they never try anything. <laughs> I always say this, like when people tell you, I have never felt in my life. It's like, wow, you probably never tried anything. So, and if you fail, if you fail, that means you try, period. And you, there's always a way to improve it. When we first launched Blend, oh, it looked nothing like it looks right now. We were trying to figure out what type of storytelling we wanted to do. We were trying to figure out what's going to be your target demographic. We wanted to go over the place. It was a process. And little by little, we realized, okay, this is what's working. This is what people want. This is what a crowd wants, right? You get better at doing things. But if you don't start, then there's no way, right, to grow. Yeah. So if you don't take one thing away from this podcast, it is, you better go start. Like, let's go. You better go start. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be the, that's gonna be the name of the podcast episode you better go start <laughs> you better go start something <laughs> especially now you know people are home like coronavirus we're like basically in a lockdown at least in florida it feels like one um i'm just so scared because the um the cases have like increased so much in the past weeks so i try to use this time to really meditate and think about what's next, right? Um, I have actually a lot of personal projects that I'm so excited that I'm about to release. Um, 
after we release the My Voice Theory podcast. So yeah, I always keep myself busy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so talking about that, um, we can kind of wrap up here, but what um, projects are you working on? What are you most excited about right now? I mean, first of all, I'm just excited about the My Voice Story podcast. Um, make sure you guys check it out. Um, we'll probably subscribe to our email newsletter because that's how you're going to be able to know when it's live. We've interviewed so many amazing, amazing leaders, actors, influencers about their journey um, and really getting real about their struggles because that's the thing that they don't really open up, right? It's like when you get interviewed sometimes, um, by a newscast or like a television interview. It's all about their projects and what they're promoting. And that's great, but no one talks about their past, right? And everything they had to go through. So it's a very unfiltered podcast about just human anxieties and how to thrive in the face of adversity. So make sure to check that out. Um, and second, I am working on a skincare brand. So I am super excited about that. Um, my brand has always been stepping into the best version of yourself. And I think that brand is just going to be a continuation of that. Um, there's a story behind this skincare brand and the collaborations that we're going to be doing with a big company. So I'm excited. Just follow me. Um, my website is and Maricielo, so M-A-R-I-C-I-E-L-L.com. Um, um, you can definitely check out, re reach out to me. Also, uh, Instagram, it's at BlentyW if you want to follow the BlentyW account. My personal one is C and Sky 45. All right. Awesome. And I will link those in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your story and being real with us today. I try to be real. You know, it's so important to be real. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's a pleasure talking to you. And just, I hope that your audience learns at least one thing from me today. Yes, I know that we will. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the College Life Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this interview with Cielo. Um, she was awesome, and I'm so grateful for her sharing her story and her passions. They align clearly with mine as well, and so I'm really glad that you were able to hear her story and what she's working on. Make sure that you try to get one of those internships. That would be such a great opportunity for you all um, if you are interested in that type of work. And... Make sure that you also follow her on all of her social media platforms, which will be linked in the show notes and check out her new podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If this episode was helpful for you, please make sure that you share it with a friend and I let's get ready for fall. I'm excited for the fall semester and we'll see what happens. Thank you all so much for listening and I will catch you in the next episode. Have an excellent week.